in front of my friend who's the co-host, this feels a little less awkward. I'm, I'm still not used to being a podcast host. Yeah. Remembering on both sides that civility is not a sign of weakness and sincerity is always subject to proof. Let us never negotiate out of fear, but let us never fear to negotiate. You are listening to Speaker Points, an NSD China podcast. Welcome to Speaker Points, Episode 2, an NSDA China podcast. I'm Kale Halley, and I have a very special guest in this episode. We're doing an interview with Sophia Wong. Sophia Wong was the 2015 China Nationals Middle School Champion, the 2016 TOC China Third Place, 2017, she got third place in the Harvard International Division. And in 2018, she was the champion of TOC China. So I think she's a perfect person to interview with the TOC coming up. And hopefully she might give you some advice on how you can become a champion too. Welcome, Sophia. Oh, thank you. It's, it's really nice to be here again. Because I haven't been, you know, in touch with debate for a very long time after senior high school. What was your senior year of high school? Uh, my senior year, I was just a judge for like many competitions. For example, in like last year, yeah, I mean this year, I've been judging a lot of competitions and tournaments mm. in Shanghai, and then also for. I remember. I think I also judged last year's TLC with Bridget. Are you, is this your first year of college, freshman? Or, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm ju- I just finished my first semester of college. How was that? It was fun, but it was also very difficult as well. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of work to do mm. comparing to high school, I would say. No time for debate? No, not just no time for debate. It's just I'm still adjusting to like this new environment that I'm in. So I might explore more next semester, for example, for clubs and Maybe I'll do debate again. Yeah, we'll see. So you think you might get back into debate at the college circuit eventually? Yeah, sure. Like if there is a chance for me to be in part of it, I'll definitely want to be because I still like debate. You know, I like to argue with people. They have like a lot of forms there. So Mm. I will I will see what they have and then what I can, you know, be in part of it. Where is there? Where, Where are you going to school? Uh, I go to New York University. Ah, NYU. Mm-hmm. You like it in New York? I like New York, but it's just very, very cold. Yeah, especially this time of year, right? Yeah, before I came back, it was negative 10 degrees Celsius already. It was very cold. Yeah, so yeah. actually, Shanghai is probably warmer for you. you... It's really warm. <laughs> I, that's funny. I, everyone here is cold, but they didn't come from New York. Yeah. What are you studying? Have you decided on a major yet? Yeah, my major is Media, Culture, and Communication. Interesting. Yeah. How'd you end up in that? Like what? Yeah. How'd you end up with choosing that major? Well, when I was searching for school and looking for majors, like this major just caught my eye immediately because before I always wanted to do either, you know, journalism or like, you know, anything related to media. But then eventually I chose media because it's just for me, it's like a greater scheme of things. 
like I can explore more more forms of communication in terms of technol like technologically advanced world. Mm. I just chose this major at last. Maybe you can do an internship for us and come help produce the podcast if we get it bigger and better. Yeah? I'll, I'll learn how to do it first. Mm. Yeah, because for the first semester, I only took like my intro courses, like introduction to media studies. Mm. And then next semester, I'll do a history of communication and media. Well, maybe if you ever have a project, you can just turn in this interview and say, yeah. I've, Actually, I've next semester, I also chose this one class editing like learning how to like edit music videos and i think it's something similar to like editing podcasts for sure yeah yeah i think it's pretty interesting don't have the video part of it but there's actually a lot of audio editing that goes yeah. into podcasts as well after the first episode had to edit it and <laughs> there's you don't realize how many times you make the like sound and you oh, don't yeah, realize yeah. how many ums and uhs you have and you have to go in and cut those out but it's fun if you enjoy that sort of thing it takes some time but it feels good to produce something at the end of the day right yeah, true do you miss china yet i mean you've only been gone for a couple months uh, so yeah. your first semester but you're already getting homesick at all while you're in school oh yeah definitely like <laughs> Because it's the first time you've been away from, like, home for this much of time, like, this, like, long period of time. And then you're, like, living all by yourself, basically. So mm-hmm. you have to be, like, a lot more independent than what you are used to be at home. At the same time, you also have to manage your academics and your social lives. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, you're also living on your own. So basically, it's, like, forcing you to grow up-ish. <laughs> yeah. And do you have a roommate? I do have a roommate. I live in a I live in a suite, so it's like a double and a a triple outside. But I live in a double, so I only have one roommate, but mm. three other suite mates. Did you know any of them before you got there? I mean, we kind of have each other's Instagram on. Uh, like before we actually get to know each other, we have this Instagram group, but then. They're all really, really nice and friendly roommates, mm. so I was really glad about it. So kids talk to each other on Instagram groups now? Yes, Instagram, yeah. I'm, I'm old. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I would expect to use Facebook, but I guess that's what old people use now, right? I mean, we do have Facebook groups, but we don't use Facebook like that much. Do you use Snapchat? We do use Snapchat. Okay, so it's still popular? Like, yeah, but Instagram is like more, more public. Mm. And comparing mm. to Snapchat, Snapchat mm. is like for closer friends. I see, I see. Sort of. Good to know. <laughs> Especially since our topic next spring might be about technology companies. I uh, need mm. to learn more about that. While we're on the subject of college, would you say that debate helped you either get into NYU or has it helped you with what you need to do while you're in NYU? I would say debate really because debate is a, like all about you know critical thinking and then i think critical thinking is really one of the most like essential skills you need to have while you're learning and writing papers in college mm-hmm. because in college a lot of the times it's just how you have to gather your own like you have to do your own researches and then you put them all together in one paper where you have your own thoughts you have to organize them all by yourself and i think like debate really helps me with that 
for like you know many years of training like i know how to like make arguments i know what it should be backed up with mm -hmm. for example impact for example like data mm -hmm. you know all that i think debate really helped me a lot like i know a lot of things before i go to college and yeah. i'm able to use them in my life and in my like academic life there that sounds very similar to my experience mm -hmm. i did lincoln douglas debate have you heard of it yeah yeah. Uh, that's I what i did in high school nowadays it's a little different but whenever i was your age when i was younger <laughs> Lincoln-Douglas debate was very philo philosophy-oriented. It was like oh, yeah. philosophical questions. And I remember I went into my Intro to Philosophy course, first day, freshman year of college, and I looked at the syllabus, and I was like, I've read all these books already. I, That's I, really nice. Yeah, I, I felt like I got a little bit of a head start on everyone else because I'd been arguing these sorts of things all throughout high school. Right, right, right. That's also true. Like, I was just about to say that. When you're debating, like, current issues that are happening in the status quo, mm. you are able to know a lot of the facts that you may not know at your age. You know, mm -hmm. like, you see, like, there are sixth graders debating, like, politics right now. Mm -hmm. And, like, I was really impressed by them while I was judging them in the middle school division, mm -hmm. like, last tournament. Uh, and also, I'm taking this course called Introduction to Comparative. What is it? Introduction to Comparative Politics. Mm. And I also had a chance to debate. Like, I think it was U.S. Nationals. It was like back in Salt Lake City. We were debating presidential elections happening in the United States. So when I was learning all the different types of elections I had, so I was able to apply my own knowledge when I had back in debate and then also combine it with the new knowledge I gained in lectures and in the readings. So I think it was really fun. Like, not fun, but like, it's just very, you know, like you know what you're learning mm. and then you are able to use what you've learned in the past and then add on to the new experiences. For sure. Do you see your classmates or other people in college with you struggling who didn't do debate? Like the ones who didn't do debate having to kind of learn those skills while they're in the college class? I mean, college is not like that. It's not easy for sure. Mm. So like everyone's kind of, you know, there are a lot of readings for politics, especially. But I mean, it's always, but I mean, it's definitely good for you to have some sort of knowledge before you actually getting into this course. Mm -hmm. And I think debate really helps a lot. For example, we also debated, you know, climate change, like, you know, a lot of the current issues also, what was the last topic? It was like space colony, right? Mm -hmm. Like Elon Musk. It really helps you to know what, like the world, what are the central issues we have mm -hmm. around the world right now? Yeah. And I think it's really important. I agree. Obviously, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, turning back the clock a little bit, how did you first get introduced to debate when you were a middle schooler? How did you find out about it? Was it something your parents kind of forced you to do, or did you see friends doing it, or what happened? What's the story? When I was really, really young, I really liked to argue with my parents. I really like to argue with people. I'm, you know, the kid in the class is, like, really talkative. And then I think it was in middle school. 
Yeah, eighth grade, seventh grade middle school. My mom just like, you know, signed me up for this one debate class. And then I just went. And then at the time that I was signed up for the class, there was this debate tournament. So I just randomly paired up with Annie, you know. I just mm. paired up with Annie and then we went to this tournament. And I didn't know what's happening at the tournament <laughs> at all at first. And she even wrote the constructive speech for me and I just read it out loud. I didn't know what's happening. But yeah, it was my first debate actual tournament after the first actual tournament i really like got into like debate mm-hmm. and then i thought it was really really interesting and fun to do like debate you know argue with people mm-hmm. with your own like facts and arguments sort of so that's how i got introduced to debate i hear that a lot kind of i had no idea what was going on the first tournament but i loved it and i was hooked and mm-hmm. i just wanted to do it more right yeah that's true did you do you have any like memorable debate experiences that like still stick with you to this day remember the first tournament i was just talking about and Mm -hmm. the first actual match like the first round Mm -hmm. i had with with uh lucia Mm. you know who's lucia lucia from um rdfz yeah so she was like the top debaters when I was when I just started debating and then mm-hmm. she's like at the top and then my first debate was against her and then I really couldn't say anything during the crossfire <laughs> like it was just awkward silence for me when she <laughs> asked the question so yeah I guess it was really memorable first round of actual debate for me did you have any aha moments I'll give you an example something yeah. happened to me I had a couple I didn't really have a debate coach my first year and as you know, the United States debate league is different from China. Yeah. There are debate tournaments every weekend to go to. Yeah, that's true. My first year, I did not flow any of my debates. I just didn't know that was a thing. I just uh-huh. didn't know you should be taking notes. I was just standing up there and doing it. And I remember the first time at regionals, which is like the end of the year thing for state, I saw one of my opponents scribbling down the notes and I looked over at what he was doing and I was like, oh my God, I would be so much better if I did that, right? Like it just kind of blew my mind. And from that day on, I was 10 times better because I had that like aha moment. Yeah, actually I have something similar to that as Mm. well. So when I just started debating, I was a first speaker. So I always, you know, have my speeches ready. And even if it's like, you know, a two-minute summary speech, I kind of didn't have like a pre-written speech for my summary speech. But like, you know, if it's only two minutes, mm-hmm. so I can I can still manage it. And then later on, I started to switch positions to like, you know, second speaker. And at first, I didn't know you have to like write blocks, right? Mm-hmm. I, I just thought that, you know, like you have like some of some some sort of answers to it so like i just draw like i just jot on notes but then i didn't know you have to write blocks mm-hmm. so i always didn't have blocks so i always just stutter like over when i was giving my speech so i really just didn't know yeah. and then later on i start i figured it out i was like everyone has blocks i'm yeah. like what are blocks and then so i asked my coaches and then so they told me that blocks are really important because it's sort of just like you know like a pre-written answer for you Mm -hmm. to you know to be just ready for any sort of arguments after that i started to making my own blocks thinking and predicting all the arguments they might have and then you know write answer twos and maybe Mm -hmm. maybe even extension blocks yeah so it really helped me a lot after writing those blocks you know like 
it's just so easy for you. You can just like like you know when to pull out your evidence, and、mm-hmm. then because you pre-organized it, it's just more it's it's just more logical when you say it out、mm-hmm. in the actual debate for like other people to hear it, and then so yeah, that was sort of like my like moment. Of realization of how you know debate should be, and that speaks back to what you're talking about, like the skill, the critical thinking skills needed for college、yeah. and stuff. Being able to anticipate what is the argument against this, I need to answer it while I'm writing to really truly fully cover a topic. Yeah, and then for blocks, especially like for example, we will have like for one block, we might have like you know three different answers. Like so, for example, like the first one is like the first direct attack on the other side's argument, and then the second one is like you know maybe adding on evidences,、mm-hmm. and then the third one is like even if、mm-hmm. if you even if like the t- like the first two answers doesn't survive scrutiny, like、right. we still have like another way of combating like this argument. So it's really helpful, and then it really makes you think a lot before、mm-hmm. you actually go into the actual. Debate, and I think it helps. Yeah, I find that you know my advice for debaters is to know your arguments and your evidence. It's amazing、yeah. how many of them step in there and have never really read their evidence before.、Yeah. And often the team that wins is the team that can talk about their evidence and their arguments without even looking at the note. They've prepared so much, they've looked into it that they can just have a conversation about it when asked. They don't have to have some Perfectly crafted、mm. answer to everything. That's also one important thing is I will always talk to with my、uh, partner because、mm. we will always you know have this strongest evidence and like our case that we will always refer to like、mm-hmm. in every on、uh, every single one of our speeches like we will always bring up the evidences to make sure it it continuously flows in the debate that、yeah. the judges remembers it. So when when you refer to it, you don't have you don't even have to explain it since you've talked about it too many times.、Mm-hmm. Like they sort of just know, and then when the opposition drops their evidence or didn't even like for example, if they don't have like a really strong evidence that they can refer to, or they dropped one of your argument for the judge, it's just more you know compelling that you you actually know what you're talking about, and I feel、mm-hmm. like that is so important. Yeah. Because when I was judging some of the debates, I feel like they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> they're just reading the blocks that their coach wrote for them, and they don't、yeah. really understand the words that are coming out of their then, mouth. Yeah. Yeah, and then for the evidences, they kind of just like read out the entire thing, but like you know, not cutting it out by themselves. You、mm-hmm. know, just extracting the most important part. Right. I think it's really important that you know. Cause you guys make you guys make evidence packet for them every single time, but、mm-hmm. not everyone reads through the evidence packet and find、mm-hmm. you know, maybe there are flaws in it or、yeah. like、maybe there are the, there are really really good evidences in the evidence packet. Yeah, when when we work on the evidence packet, I mean, it is definitely not supposed to be authoritative. We don't have the time to make sure that everything in there is just a killer piece of evidence. Yeah, but there are good pieces of evidence in there,、mm-hmm. and we may. Go through it quickly, and we may tag it a little bit incorrectly, or we may leave out an underlined part of the evidence that's actually really strong and stuff.、Yeah. And you know, I sometimes get a little pushback and on, oh, this should be stronger, or oh, this piece of evidence is weak, or that sort of thing. And we produce the evidence packet to help kids, but ultimately, part of the education process is them learning how to cut their own evidence. So. 
I don't want to give them just like, here's the best case. Every, yeah. All 100 kids use this one. Not saying I could write that. That would be very, <laughs> uh, that would be very presumptuous of me. But like you said, the students need to be able to adapt with what they're using, right? You talked about how they read this whole block, but only like one part of it is important. That's the trap that I think that the highest level of debaters like yourself have to overcome to reach that high level, right? Like you have your prepared block, but you still understand that you need to make the block specific to what they said. Like I'll give you an example. Let's say you have a block against arguments about countries in Africa. You could just read your block, but a good debater will listen to the specific countries they talk about in Africa and then adapt their block. And instead of saying in Africa, say in Zambia or in Uganda. And that's just a small example, but you get the idea, adapting the block to what the other team is doing. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And I feel like it's, it's, it's so important that you, like, you know, what the other side is talking about, and then you're able to combat it with your own prepared evidence because it just showed not only your opponents but also the judges that you are so prepared that, you know, even for the more specific countries you're talking about, like, you have, like, answers to each one of them. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of a case when we have, like, I, I don't remember the specifics, but it was talking about, you know, like, some sort of... Oh, yeah, it was a space colony, right? Mm-hmm, it was, mm-hmm. like, either on Mars or it was, like, on the moon or it was, like, on some other planets. You got to have, like, an answer to each of them because a block against, you know, colonies on Mars will not be applied to arguments talking about building a space colony on the moon. You got to, like, clash the evidences. Mm-hmm. It's an important point as well because when I was judging, I feel like, you know, the arguments would just flow by themselves there's just there's like no two clash. lines. Yeah, there's no clash. Most of the times, if you don't have clash, it's really hard for the judges to actually oh, make yeah. decisions because you guys are talking about two complete, like, different things. And I think it's really important that you actually answer on the specific arguments and the things that they are talking about. Yeah, debaters do not understand how hard it is to judge <laughs> some of these rounds. I hear it all the time from kids who come back and become judges and go, oh my God, this is so difficult because... Everyone wants to win. You're kind of only considering your side of yeah, the that's argument. Yeah, true. And then you only talk about what you think, like you prepare it, like what you think is the strongest. Mm-hmm. That's why you always say it. You always read it out loud to the judges. But if it doesn't answer the other side's point, and then it's not, you know, making any impacts. And you're kind of leaving it up to the judge to make their own decision. And exactly. That's what I was taught very early on in my debate career. Is if the judge has to Mm -hmm. think you've made a mistake. Like the judge should not have to think at all about these arguments or what you should make it so clear that when these two arguments clash with each other, this is the winning argument. Here's why. Very clear. Don't let the judge have to think at all about it. Right. Yeah. It's tough when you're judging and you've got two debaters who are both making great arguments, great points, but there's no clash. And it's like, well, I have to flip a coin? How you know? How do yeah, I pick exactly. which one's better? Yeah. What was the debate topic when you won the TOC? Do you remember? Um, I think it was Space Colony. Mm. Yeah, it was Space Colony. Yeah, and it was in 2018, did. What was it? What was the experience like winning the TOC? I mean, it's definitely, like, it was kind of surreal for me because I never thought that 
how you know be able to make on the final stage on TLC because mm-hmm. because last TLC it was kind of just it was kind of devastating because <laughs> because um we went against the champions in the um, semifinals and then we lost to them I think it was a three zero or something like that so yeah it was like the year before that and then last year I think it's just how because we've been debating for the space colony topic for over like a year mm-hmm. and so we. It's just you got so familiar with the topic. Mm-hmm. Everyone got so familiar with the uh, with the topic. You you even know like that many arguments the yeah. opposition can use. So you sure. know like you know they'll have like these evidence. What we've been doing at, at the last day of TOC was just keep researching like the newest facts and mm. the newest data in order for us to put in our speech. Before we got on the stage, we were still like making making edits on our speeches and mm-hmm. blogs. That's something else I love about debate is that it is an endless it's rabbit keep, hole of yeah, work. Like it's keep like updating like you're never done, mm-hmm. right? And you're never and you're never perfect. I mm-hmm. say it all the time when I go and try to convince new kids to join and convince kids who are a little scared to try it and stuff. I go, look, even the wi- winners of nationals, winners of TOC, do not give perfect speeches. Like, there is no such thing as a perfect debate. There's always going to be something you could have done a little bit better, been a little bit stronger. Even if you got a 30, we all know "Mm, there's something I could have done better. And But that should be exciting to you. Life is about having challenge and progressing. Life is not fun when a, when you have an activity and you reach the end and there's no way to improve. Exactly. You get like, tired of it. There will always be people who are like better than you mm-hmm. when you're debating. Like maybe you're the best here, but then there will always be someone who's better than you in the states. Like mm-hmm. you never know. And then so it's always like a learning process for me especially. I will always, you know, want to do it like better like by listening how others debate mm-hmm. and then like how you can improve yourself. I think that's really important. And like you said, watching, listening, learning from others, right? So I hope that means, you know, some people are listening right now and learning from you. Uh, You've given lots of great tips on doing debate. Is there anything specific to the TOC? The TOC is a little bit different kind of tournament. The field is usually on average stronger. It's three-day tournament. Is there any specific TOC pieces of advice you might have? Honestly, I just think TLC is sort of just like all the other tournaments, you mm. know, just I I don't see like there's a really big difference between mm. TLC and other tournaments, but I feel like Well, maybe that's the advice. Don't let the mm. it being called the TLC distract you. It's just like any other tournament. You got to do the same things you do at other tournaments to win. Yeah, like just be prepared. Don't get distracted by what you think others I don't, like just don't be too nervous about mm-hmm. it. I think that's important because when you get just too nervous, you sure just like don't know what you have to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in debate when you're giving a speech, mm-hmm. when you're just nervous, your words and you're like you can't. It kind of just doesn't make sense. Yeah. When you and then you don't know what to talk about. It's just another name for like another debate tournament. Right. It, ultimately, it's the same. 45-minute round, it's the same speeches, it's the same topic. It may, on the outside, 
feel a little bit more prestigious. Maybe the trophies are a little bit bigger <laughs> or director of debate from University of Kentucky is judging and stuff like that. But the game you're playing is the same game you play when you yes. practice in your class with your classmates. Mm-hmm. And that's the same kind of advice I would give my students that I coach when they would make it to their first out round, their first day two. You know, they'd be like, oh, there's three judges and it's octafinals. Oh my gosh, so scary. And I'd be like, hey, you just won four debates to get here. Just do the same thing you did on the first day. Definitely, I agree with what you say. Mm. Yeah, just don't be nervous. <laughs> it's, it's like any other tournament, honestly, I feel like. We've got the mm. spring topics. They're being voted on right now. Actually, the vote's going to end before anyone hears this. Um, but it the topic's supposed to be announced at the TOC. Looking at them, on balance, technology companies' use of personal data is more beneficial than harmful, and United Nations peacekeeping operations should be substantially increased in Africa. Just curious, if you had to vote right now, which which do you think you'd prefer? I will actually go with the second one. Though I've heard, like, I've heard, you know, I've seen debaters, you know, talking about it at moments, oh, yeah? that they say that, you know, like, for the second topic, like, it's really hard uh, what is it? The Africa topic. Yeah, the, no, no, no. Like, it's really hard for one operations. side of this topic. Let me read it again. UN peacekeeping operations should be substantially increased. Yeah, it's really hard for the con side to argue this mm. on the second topic. But then for the first topic, it's just, you know, more balance. You know, mm. you have, like, the same amount of evidence and then the same amount of approach you can mm. have on, uh, on both sides. But the reason why I would prefer the second one is because it's just more, you know, it's more challenging for Mm. you to actually read more facts and read more historical documents about what is actually happening in Africa Mm -hmm. and then getting to know not just what's happening here, but also happening around the world. I just think that this is more challenging. And I think it'll be fun to debate about this, actually. They always say, like, if there is, like, a harder side to debate... But at the end of the day, people will be good at that side because yeah. it's somehow just strange because when people think like the other side is harder, they put more time and researching in the other side and then so they get better at it. Well, there's some weird psychology that goes on with judging as well in that if a judge perceives one side to be harder, then they give that team a little bit more leeway, even if it's just subconsciously. They kind of, let's say they think the con side is 60% more hard than the pro side. Then mm. subconsciously, they are 60% <laughs> harder on the pro and to then, win their arguments. For example, if I'm a judge and I hear like a con side making really good arguments or like, you know, put a give off like new evidence, I'll mm. just be more impressed than, you know, get, having a really good pro pre like mm. prepared speeches. So yeah, I actually I actually like the second one, but I guess the first one you can find like more evidence and it's more you know relating to your and relating to like the debaters like day like the daily lives they have. Last time I checked, it the percentage breakdown was fifty one to forty nine percent. Oh, so it's actually with, really yeah, it's, it's really, really close. close with uh, data barely ahead. Uh, that's the way it's been for the past four votes. The nationals topic from two thousand nineteen was decided by one vote. One vote put it over the top. And for the past like three or four votes we've had, it's really been just like 51, 49 percent, 48, 52. So I think that's a good thing. I mean, half of the people are a little disappointed, but I think it shows that 
both of them have merits if they're both getting yes, a lot of votes. Yes. When crafting topics, there I think are two important considerations. There's a lot of things considered when we're crafting, but two big categories are fairness. You know, it needs to be an um, it needs to be a topic that has equal maybe not perfectly equal weight, but at least good arguments for both sides, a wealth of arguments to choose from, and then education. You know, because ultimately we are an educational organization. We want to educate kids. And the cryptocurrency topic, it is a difficult and challenging topic, but you can't argue with the education the kids have gotten this semester on this topic. I mean, these kids now know more about finance, cryptocurrency, the way markets work, price volatility, these sort of things, a lot of the, a lot of these middle schoolers know more about it than their parents do. <laughs> exactly. I remember there was also a topic also on the United Nations. What was it? It was a G5 uh, Nations. Uh, it was the, Security Council. Yeah, one? Security yeah. Council. Yeah. 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 I also like. I I have no idea what that is. Like mm-hmm. before, like getting the topic. All right. Well, before we sign off and finish the interview, is there any? shout outs you want to do or anything you just completely open form for you a friend you want to say hello to uh, a thing you're working on you want to talk about or last piece of advice is there anything you want to finish with I just think that I really miss debating in high school so I would say that for the debaters who are doing this right now yeah do more debates it's fun (laughs) debate has been one of this really big part of my high school life and then I've been doing debates like throughout my high school four years Mm -hmm. and then it was a really good like it was a really big part of my life so I would say just join more tournaments I guess take advantage of it while you can do it and then you also make a lot of you also make a lot of friends when you're debating from you know all over China and Mm -hmm. even you know when you're going to the states for tournaments you meet more people there and then Mm -hmm. I think it's amazing that through debate it's like connecting all of you guys together well I think that's great advice and uh, thank you for coming and being our first interviewer no problem it's my pleasure (laughs) all right well that was Sophia Wong hopefully you follow her advice and maybe you can be a TOC champion eventually too and For next time, we will see you at Speaker Points. Remember to always send in feedback to nsdachina at gmail.com. Remember, we want feedback on segments you want to hear. Do you like the interview? Questions you'd like me to ask? Other things you'd like us to do? Any sort of feedback you have for the show and how we can make it better. And remember, this is a podcast for you, so help us make it better for you. And until the next time, jai yo.